Friends, we're looking at Ephesians 3 today, and as I was preparing for this message and I was, I was thinking about the launch of this MORE campaign, having never done a generosity initiative before, I can only imagine there are two ways to do it. There's the apologetic way, and there's the anticipatory way. There's the way that says, like, we have to do this dirty little thing on the side and ask everybody for money for five weeks, and we hope to get through that and back to our regular programming on Sunday morning. And then there's the way of anticipation. We get to do this as a church body, go through this process together and grow as we do this process. And that's the way we are seizing on this morning, and we're finding that In Ephesians chapter 3, this is our theme verse for this time, the more campaign as we seek for God to bring more glory, more mission, more maturity, more mercy in our city, in us, through us, and in this great city. So would you hear as God speaks from Ephesians chapter 3 beginning in verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge and that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray together. Jesus, do this. Answer this prayer in marvelous ways in our church body through this season, we ask in your name, amen. Now, I hope this is a familiar passage to you. I hope you know about Ephesians 3 and have read this and even prayed this for yourself, but, but I see the passage follow, falling cleanly between there's an ask and there's an answer. There's a prayer, it's being asked for, and there's an answer that God provides, and Paul is asking a big God an impossible prayer request and God is answering in a marvelous way in our text and that's so good for us because that's what we're doing in this season as a church and that's what we can do and should do as a body of believers in our individual and family lives throughout the week. So let's think about this ask. Let's think about this prayer, how we ask what is being asked for because there's this unspoken rule in favor asking that you only ask according to what you think you can get, right? You size up the person you're asking and you only really ask what you think you're gonna get. So if I'm asking a favor for my kids, it's like, hey y'all, could you walk the dog for me? If I'm asking a favor from my parents, it's can I get my portion of my inheritance, right? Depending on who you're asking, that's the proportion to what you're going to ask. What we ask for is proportionate to who we ask. What we ask for is proportionate to who we ask. Listen to whom Paul prays to. 
He describes him, starting at the end of verse 14, he describes him as the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. And then he goes on to say, who has riches of glory and has strengthening power in his Holy Spirit. Now, church, do you know this kind of God? And is this the kind of God that you and I are praying to? It's possible. It's scary, but it's possible that we as believers, when we go to pray and we go to respond and we go to interact with this God we say we believe in, we're actually talking to a smaller version of the God who is found in the Bible, right? We so collapse in our minds who God is the further we get from this book that we can actually imagine him to be a smaller being than he actually is. The less time I spend in this book, the smaller my view of God will become. And when we go to pray, we ask approximately what we think that new vision of God could possibly answer and provide for. If we have a small God, we will make small prayers. If we have a small view of God, if he can only do so much, then we will only ask so much of him. But church, look at this passage and get reoriented around the God who is here. He's not the small God we've been peddling all week. He describes himself in grand and glorious terms. This God is a father. His title betrays his affection. Because he's a father, we know that he's the perfect heavenly father who loves us as his children, sons and daughters, and he delights to do good for us. This God is, quote, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. He is sovereign. There's not a person, there's not a family, there's not a nation, there's not a soul who is outside his sovereign control and his touch to whom he can attend. It says that this God has riches of glory. He doesn't have a little bit of glory. He doesn't have a bit of glory. He doesn't have just enough glory to share. He has riches of glory and majesty and wealth within himself and available to us. This God has power in the Holy Spirit, our passage says. Power to create the world and power to part the waters. Power to feed the 5,000. Power to raise the dead. Power to remake the world in the shining brightness of the celestial city. This God has power. This is the God that the Bible speaks of. If your Christian life has been plagued by small prayers... I beg you, church, we don't have time for this. I beg you, church, to pitch the small idea of God you have had and return to this one. He's glorious and he's full and he's mighty and he's majestic and he has all resources at his disposal. We don't have time for the God of our imagination. We need to get around this God because this God can do big and glorious things. No wonder, Paul says in verse 14, that he gets on his knees to pray. This is a big God, and he's about to make a very big prayer. 
And honestly, it doesn't get bigger than Paul's prayer in verses 16 through 19 because Paul says, he prays that the church would have spiritual strength to know what can't be known. Your mind cannot know this, so you need spiritual strength to know the love of Christ that we might as the church be, quote, filled with all the fullness of God. Can you imagine what that even means, what that even looks like, what that even feels like as a church being filled with the fullness of God, this God that we just described? And even though that's his prayer, he still says in verse 20, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. He just prayed in one breath an impossible prayer that we would be filled with the fullness of God. And then he admitted in the next breath that God can actually do more than we ask and more than we think. By praying, Paul is showing us how to pray. He's giving us a model to pray. He's giving us the ingredients of asking. If you want to bake a cake, you need eggs and flour and sugar If you want to make a prayer to a big God, you need to start thinking in categories of ask or think or more. You can almost draw those in concentric circles, asking being the smallest, thinking being broader, more being even more broader than that. Think about the asking category, what we actually ask God for. When we pray... I bet that our asking is always less than our thinking. I think that's why he says that right here. I think he knows there are two categories. There's what we ask for, there's what we think, and the asking is the smallest circle. That's the thing that we're willing to ask for because I don't know if you're like me, but prayer can sometimes feel like a negotiation. Like, how much can I ask for? And have I already asked for a lot lately? And have I been a good boy and and I'm allowed to ask these things to a holy God? Like, what can I pray in this moment? Do you ever feel that way in your prayers with God? And so we bring a, a manageable request to God that we feel like we're able to ask him and we put it in front of him. And God says in Ephesians 3, that's too small. That was sweet. You're allowed to pray that. That's just, that's too small. And so we're invited to this next circle, the thinking circle. Paul says, all that we ask or think, asking is on the tip of my tongue, but thinking is the stuff I thought I was hiding in the rest of my mind. The funny thing about asking God for less than we're thinking is that God can already see them both. Right? He's not confused by our negotiation. It's just like when I walk into the kitchen and I begin to scoop myself some ice cream and my kids magically appear at that moment and they say, Dad, could we have a snack like cereal or vegetables or something? And I say, I know what you're thinking. You want ice cream. Why don't you just ask for ice cream? That's what we do with God. We have this idea and then we're like, no, let's clean this up. Let's make it manageable. Let's ask according to our obedience. Let's bring him something small. And so we bring that thing and God says, dude, I see what you're thinking and I see what you're asking and I can see both of those things. And that's true of our prayers. It's true of our prayers for ourselves and for our families and And for what we want God to do in us, there are things that we're thinking that we're afraid to ask. And God says, no, 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 
bring both of those things together and when you put what you asked and when you put what you thought in front of me, I will still say, that's too small. That's too small. Which brings us to the third category, the uncharted waters of the more. You take the little ask and you take the bigger think and Paul goes on to say that God is able to do not just a little bit more, not a little extra, but far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. So if we were over here trying to ask and we were over here trying to think, God is saying I'm taking both of those things and I'm adding to them and I am able to do far more abundantly than those things combined. Do you see how that would change the landscape of our prayers? I dare you to do this this week. I dare you to, in a prayer journal, write out your prayers according to these three categories. When a prayer comes to mind, I want you to plot it in concentric circles. Is this an ask or is this a think or is this a more? What am I asking God to do and where does this land in Ephesians chapter 3? Think about our prayers with our fight with sin. Think about the bitter, daily, hourly battle with sin that we fight each of us every single day. Think about my prayers that attend my fight with sin. I can pray to God, God, get me through the morning routine without exploding at my kids. Like if I can make it from from 6.30 to 8.15 when I drop my kids off at school and I don't blow a gasket, I mean, that would be amazing. That's what I'm asking for. That's an ask. I'm not saying don't pray that. Pray that. By all means, you can only ask for what you ask for. Pray that prayer. But that's a small prayer. And it goes in the ask bucket. What if bigger than that, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking... What if I really began to change? Like, what if I had the fruit of the Spirit? And what if I wasn't just not being angry, but I was being kind and loving and gracious with my kids or my roommate or my spouse? What if I was doing those things? That would be something that I was thinking. That's a much bigger prayer. What's beyond that? What could God do beyond that? Could could I become a person that later in life does hard work of learning where all this anger is coming from and humble to hear from other people how I can ultimately change and and truly become a different person to change from the inside out. I mean, that would be beyond my imagination and God is saying, yes, that's what I want you to bring to me. That's what I want you to surprise me. Think about prayers for our marriage. Think about the marriages in this church that limp along day after day and and I'm praying, Lord, just, just let my spouse be kind to me today. That's an ask. You can pray that. But what if you prayed something bigger than that? What if you prayed, we began to have honest conversations with each other, before each other and before the Lord and before others. That that would be a big prayer. That's an ask. What's beyond that? That God could surprise us in marvelous ways and renew our passion and our vows for each other. Could he do that? That's abundantly more than I ask or imagine. What does that prayer look like for apathy? 
What does that prayer look like for my generosity? What does that prayer look for mission in my life and what God is calling me to? What does it look like for my family? What does it look like for my neighborhood? How do I begin to think about these things in concentric circles, calling upon a big God to do big things? You know, the same is true for this entire campaign and the ways we think about praying for the more campaign and I'm struggling to get outside the ask circle. Like the ask for this campaign is, Lord, please don't embarrass us. Please let us raise at least close to what we're asking to raise. Let us get into the space. Let us get an HVAC system less than a million bucks, which was the first quote that we're not taking. Like give everybody a seat and let us get in there. That's an ask. And we can pray those things. It's okay to pray our asks. And God says that's too small. So what if we prayed what I'm thinking, like, would we all be changed in this process? Would we, whether we're reluctant or excited about the process, could God use this to truly change our church body and make us more generous towards him and towards each other and and in my life for years to come? Could he use this season as a church and actually change us as a church body? That would be a tremendous thing that God does. What's beyond that? What could you even ask for outside of that? Could God use this process and could God use us occupying a new space for revival? Could friends come to faith because they saw us on UG Street and never heard of us before and came in and heard the gospel and were baptized and new families worship Jesus because we're there? Could there be revival in our corner of the city because we occupy this new space with happy and full hearts? Could he do that? That would be abundantly beyond what I am asking or thinking. And I gotta tell you, I'm embarrassed to even say that Because I know what it feels like to say I'm praying for something and then God tell me no. Have you ever felt that with another person? You say, man, I'm getting behind you in that, in prayer. I'm asking God to do that thing you're asking for. And God says no. And it's like, why did I even bother? So I'm reluctant to do the thing he's telling me to do. I'm reluctant to ask in case there's a no. I don't want to tell the church I'm praying for a revival and then we get in there and nothing happens and it's just us looking at each other and I'm like, no, I didn't pray for revival. I prayed for survival, that we would just get in there with the HVAC, you know, and God answered that prayer. I don't want to embarrass myself, but here's the beautiful thing about every act of obedience in the Christian life, it never comes from me and it always comes from God. Even a prayer of faith, even stepping out in faith to pray, that very act that God calls me to do is something that his Holy Spirit gives me the strength to do. So even putting one foot in front of the other is simply allowing God's power to work through me to do what he calls me to do and to be obedient in that. That's the ask. How could God answer in closing? God's answer to Paul's ask in verse 21 is this. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. 
Amen. God's ultimate answer to every prayer is this. His glory in the church and in Jesus for all generations, for all time. God's answer, his ultimate answer to every prayer that he gives us to pray is for his glory in the church and in Christ Jesus for all generations and all time. Which means God will take this tiny expression of his people. Kola Prez. We're just a, a, a drop in the ocean of God's cloud of witnesses. He'll take this tiny group of people in this tiny sliver of the globe, in this tiny moment in history that is passing so quickly, and he will join our little tributary that doesn't look like much from the outside, and it will flow into this great, glorious, majestic, unstoppable torrent of his glory and he will be glorified. God will achieve his glory in all the church. Every member of his invisible church, young and old, there will not be a single soul that belongs to Jesus that he will not say on that final day, this is my glory. He will be glorified in every generation. There won't be a generation past or future in which God will not say over that generation, here is my glory. And he will gain the glory for all time. There won't be a moment or a day or hour in which the heavens, the earth, under the earth, the angels, the saints, and the great cloud of witnesses will not say, this is his glory. For some of us, that glory will come with the answer yes to our prayers of ask, think, and more. And for some of us, that glory will come with the answer no to ask, think, and more. But church, for all of us, that incomparable glory that God is achieving and he will achieve, that will be worth every prayer and every answer for all the church in every generation, in all time, forever and ever. Let's pray together. Church, I'm going to invite you to kneel. Paul says he's kneeling, and if you are able and willing, would you kneel with me as well to make this prayer? Great God and Father, the God from whom every family on earth is named, every soul is accounted for, Every language is known, every church esteems. It is to you, this great and glorious God, that we pray 
that in this season as a church body together with this new space and in this season as believers who are fighting to see and magnify your name in our own lives and in our marriages and in our families, we pray that you would do far more abundantly than all we ask or think or imagine, that you will gain the glory in this church body and in this season, and in this new space, and in this great city, that for all generations and all time, we will esteem your name forever and ever, and in Jesus' name, amen.